Hello and welcome to Castable. This podcast brings on a brilliant guest each week and asks them to give us their bespoke dream music festival. I'm Matt Host. I'm going to be looking for our guests' hand-picked legends on their lineup. My guest this week is a titan of comedy. He is the first black Briton to be nominated for the Edinburgh Comedy Newcomer Award. He's a star of his own BBC sitcom, Sunny D, and he's the host of his own podcast, Dame Baptiste Questions Everything. I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Mr. Dame Baptiste. Hello. 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 How are you doing? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I am kind of pondering if my name features too heavy in all these other things I work on. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. At least you know it's me. It's not going to be another podcast. So. Yeah, it's, I think it's a good thing to have, actually. I like it. It's done well so far. So, uh, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast as well. And uh, so this is a music podcast. It's a festival podcast. But if uh, my question I always like to start with is if people ask you what kind of music are you into, what's your typical response? I would say my it's it's changed over the years. I mm-hmm. think I think it's a, a, a question I answer much quicker. Uh, I used to much, answer much quicker when I was younger, but I think as you get older, your horizons kind of broaden and your palette gets a bit wider. So mm-hmm. I would say predominantly the music I like enjoy the most would be R and B and pop. But um, but yeah, I've always got I have a playlist that I normally play in my car, which is basically a collection of songs I like. It would be like mm-hmm. you know R and B and hip hop, and there'll be a large focus there, but. Yeah, there's loads of songs there um, where it's like, it's a playlist that I put together where I know that these songs would never be played back to back on the radio. So mm-hmm. at one point you might have like, you know, Unknown T who's like a drill rapper from North London and the next song might be by Fleetwood Mac and the next yeah. song will be like, it's, the next song might be by Kalani and then the next song might be by, might be, you know, the Eagles. They yeah. just, I've heard a song that I've liked and I just shazammed it. So basically... Yeah, I just say stuff I like, and then I put it down. But for the most part, I'd say that army and hip hop is my my favorite producer and writer of all time is Babyface. Okay, yeah. So Babyface kind of was a soundtrack to my life. So you know, for those who don't know, he wrote like uh, "Don't Be Cruel" at most of Bobby Brown's album. He wrote most of Boys to Men's albums, like sorry, Tevin Campbell, TLC. You know what? Like I heard, I've known the, the name of Babyface, but I never knew uh, the legacy, so to speak. That's amazing. Yeah, Tony Braxton. So like any R&B that people enjoyed around the 90s was either he wrote it or it was kind of based on him and stuff as well. So um, oh. yeah, so he, that's, he's basically my spirit animal so far as creative, creatively speaking. So uh, if, I was, if I wanted to be a singer, I'd be like that. Oh, brilliant. Before being a comedian, did you ever want to be a singer or a performer in that way? I think I wanted to be like a, a producer, but then yeah. I kind of liked, and I really enjoyed the songwriting element of like songs. So when I really started getting into music, then... Yeah, I was definitely someone who's a lot more obsessive and not only would look at like the lyrics that would appear in inlay cards on CDs and tapes, but I'd also look at the producers and mm-hmm. well, which is why I kind of ended up arriving at like idolizing Babyface. I was like, the thing that is in common with all these great songs is that there's one person at the central core who's created all this stuff. So yeah, I, I guess I'd like the idea of singing and I really do appreciate uh, vocalists. Like there's something around about black women as balladeers that it's just the best thing ever like I was already I was a teenager by the time I worked out that it's raining men was a gay anthem but I just thought it was just two amazing singers the weather girls are just amazing vocalists so I was like this song's amazing and then even I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor I was like that's an amazing song I had no idea it was a gay anthem I completely understand why now though and mm-hmm. Donna Summer who was the queen of disco another yeah. gay anthem. oh my god like this time I know it's real it's like one of the best songs I've ever heard in my entire life and I still play that to this day and again mm-hmm. I had no idea gay icon so uh, most black women gay icons, uh, I love hearing their vocals, but I think for me, yeah, I guess I'll, 
the whole songwriting aspect and production aspect I was really into and mm-hmm. you know, my friends are very musically inclined and that's where most of my friends were kind of heading towards. But you know, I was just somebody who was like, I am just a massive fan of music and I am not a musician. Although I know when you are a black comedian, where well, you know you made it, Max, when someone approached you with a record deal. Don't believe me, <laughs> Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Michael Dapper. Mo Gillingham did two cans, like a, two, a couple of cans. Uh-huh. That's when you know, like Peter Kay. That's when you know you've made it. <laughs> off your record deal as a comedian, that's when you know you've made it. Well, uh, Dana, I don't. I didn't want to surprise you this early on, but I wanted to present you a record deal. It's it's just for you today. There you go. Yes. <laughs> Ready to hit the studio. <laughs> Forget all the crap I said before. We're <laughs> now. Yeah, like, uh, but yeah, um, I remember hearing a couple of comedians theorize that before comedians go into comedy, that they try to be a musician of some sorts, and uh, and I think that, yeah, maybe that's a a common trait that we had as well maybe uh, i think there's a lot of comedians who really are into music as well so uh maybe there's a crossover there oh definitely i think i think they uh i think it said that like a lot of most comedians want to be rock stars and most Mm -hmm. musicians would love to be funny between um songs so Mm -hmm. yeah there's a there's a there's a lot of parallels between both of our work there and i've always had to take the musical approach to comedy whereby it's like at least the new material that i create should be enough of up to like Three minutes is like the average length of a song, maybe three to five minutes. So I would try and have that high level of output. So yeah, a lot of the musicians I admire would be people that not only would have quality music, but they'd also have a very high um, output of music. So yeah, I've always tried to do that. And uh, I guess also when I became a lot more ensconced with music was right about like, you know, my teens and stuff or early teens was around the time there was a lot of massive cultural shifts and phenomenon happening in music. So you had like the deaths of Tupac and Biggie, mm-hmm. and then Big L and then Big Pun. So then, it was almost as if you had this real fatalist complex when you were into music. So I was kind of like, in the same way that people make as much music as possible, so you have a catalogue that will survive you. Like, I try and write comedy so that I can still provide a lot of posthumous, like, uh, good work, just because of that. Yeah. So, and, you know, there was a whole phenomenon about, like, you know, the 27 Club and, like, so many great musicians that don't live past the age of 27. Mm-hmm. So at that age, I was kind of like, if I ever get, when I get involved in comedy, because that's when I, I was around the age when I started doing comedy, Mm-hmm. then uh yeah i need to approach it with the idea that i may not be here tomorrow and give it all you know. that's a really good mentality actually like uh, it's a kind of a quite nihilistic going like right here might as well just smash it out as much as possible but yeah um so are you um this we're going to be talking about a lot of festivals uh but uh, and a lot of comedians have gone to festivals but, but as work but do you go to see live musical shows often like just off your own back I didn't used to for a very long time. Like, if mm-hmm. I saw, like, live performances, it wouldn't be in the form of a concert because concerts cost money, and mm-hmm. I grew up in South East London. And so mm-hmm. there was not that much money. But we, what we'd normally have is that we'd have, like, live PAs from artists, and they mm-hmm. would perform. And, yeah, I probably didn't go to my first concert until I was, like, 23. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was really old, but, but I used to see those PAs. So I remember, like, when I was in my teens, I went to, a, like, an under-18s, like, uh, like my club night. And like in the summer holiday, especially or half term, especially for like um, kids. And uh, I remember Hinder Hicks was doing a PA there, and uh, Casey and Jojo did a PA there. And I remember a girl almost scratched my face off. The way she get to the stage and see Casey and Jojo, and I was like, my goodness, you must be amazing. I mean, it is Casey and Jojo, but she was like, if you don't move out the way, I'm going to skin you alive. So, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, because I, I was always aware of the hysteria behind it because I remember my sister, one of my sisters went to see um, an R&B group called Immature yeah, in the uh, 90s and stuff as well. And I remember there was this real rumor, like all around the schools and stuff, like 
this that this girl went there and one of the members gave her like a ring mm-hmm. and uh, I think she was hospitalized. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. A lot of people felt that there was their ring or yeah. was for them to share. So yeah, I was aware of that. And then I remember going to see the Locks at a live PA and mm-hmm. the rap group. And then, yeah, I remember then I broke up my girlfriend and I remember when I, when I was buying a new car, well, I was getting, I was leasing a new car. Mm-hmm. And then when you lease a new car, it comes with a full tank of petrol. My friends are like, hey, we had a dropout. We're going to go and see uh, Jay-Z at the um, NIA in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And do you want to come? Free ticket if you can drive us there. And I was like, cool. And yeah, first concert. Amazing. That's a, wow, that's some strong... Uh, big hitters right there and uh, I, I find it interesting when people throw stuff out to the crowds how like people go a bit crazy because uh, I've definitely been uh, surrounded by people I remember I went to Glastonbury and I saw um, Metallica that I'm a big Metallica fan as a, as a teenager uh, and uh, at the end of all their shows they drop off these big balls like these big inflatable balls and uh, I knew that going in I was right at the front and I, re- I wanted to go and grab one because like uh, you know if you get one especially for Glastonbury they'll never play Glastonbury again so I thought this is my one time and yeah I, I got one and this guy got su- like genuinely like angry at me he was like you gotta hit the ball back up in the air I was like no I'm keeping it maybe I was a bit, a bit of a nerd but then he tried to pop it and like uh, he was doing uh, all the things he could to try and like uh, like uh, get it out of my hands as well but I, I kept it so. it's not it's not your problem buddy sometimes yeah. you, sometimes you don't he's like one of those people like when they throw like, when a footballer throws like a jersey into the crowd and a kid mm-hmm. catches it it's a kid's things. let it go buddy I've been coming to these churches for 20 years well it wasn't your time even now okay just let it go it's really not that big of a deal. Like, go and buy merch anywhere. Like, they've made, have they not made enough money from you? Yeah. I just, yeah, I just, um, so that was my first foray into concerts. Then at the yeah, concerts, they were never really too wild. Although, that being said, I went to V Festival and I saw Justin Timberlake was headlining. Mm-hmm. And, not Justin Timberlake, Justin Bieber was headlining. And it was in Essex, which is not London. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said that because the came and was like, what's up, London? <laughs> Justin, that's that's lazy. Someone could have told you that on the way to the stage. It's not even yeah. a big part of like the conversation. And basically, it looked like he was doing, I mean, rehearsing for a tour he actually cared about. <laughs> it was a lackluster performance. I don't really mm-hmm. hate Justin Bieber, but it was a lackluster performance. And but girls are still going hysterical. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know, Matt, that basically, you know, when people faint in concerts, mm-hmm. I was under the impression that they had like a first aid back there and they gave people water and brought them back. Nope, they check you're alive and they put you back in that crowd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were people like passed out and stuff and I was like, that doesn't look good and then and then girls stumbling and they just be like, Are you okay? I think I am. Get back in there then. Yeah. Just throw you back in a bit. There you go. <laughs> and I was like, oh and I mean I mean I didn't care that much. I mean I cared as much as Justin did and that wasn't very much. You know, I've heard Justin Bieber's, uh, a lot of his concerts are very much I heard he lip syncs a lot, but that's not the point. I heard that he just kind of he he turns up the music plays, and he's certainly not in it for the music, I would say. But I mean, he didn't even care where he was. He hadn't even looked yeah. at one sign. He's like, where am I? All right. <laughs> Looks like London to me, I guess. What's <laughs> that, Dude, it's, what are you playing, Mike? We're in Essex. Did somebody sex sex? Justin. And then the girls were like, oh, my God. And I was like, okay, well, I guess you still get away with it. <laughs> That's that's an easy way just to uh, turn off a crowd as well. But, uh, well, I think we should start going into your, your festival. Let's go and set up camp. Castable, if you can hear me, I want you to sing along. Go for it. One more time.
Before you have your dream festival, we're going to have to see what goes into it. So let's learn some of the basic admin about your festival. Uh, what is the name of your festival, Dane? My festival is called the Afterlife Festival. The Afterlife Festival, I like it. Established 2016. 2016? Yeah, following the very, very mad celebrity side and where we lost so many icons in one year. Oh! Was, is everyone going to die this year? And it was just around the time where like a bunch of celebrities and creatives all passed on and then mm -hmm. Donald Trump got elected and we were all like, what did they know? What did they know that they all decided to leave? Like, if you look at us, to get a list of celebrity deaths in yeah. 16, because I think it's very important. So it was a big year, wasn't it? It was a, and it started off with uh, Bowie in like the first week, and like, people like Alan Rickman. It was like it started off, it started off bad, then it got, as you said, progressively worse with uh, Brexit and Trump. It was really bad. So let's begin with, yeah. So David Bowie was one. Mm -hmm. uh, Glenn Frey, who was in the Eagles, mm -hmm. Jimmy Bain, and then Terry Wogan was in January as well. Earth, and then Morris White from Earth, Wind, and Fire. Harper, oh, yeah. who authored To Kill a Mockingbird, Frank Kelly from Father Ted, then George Martin, who produced The Beatles, he died. Keith Emerson died as well. Carrie Fisher. Um, Fisher, Chris was... Jr., Paul Daniels, mm -hmm. Ronnie Corbett, David Guest. Oh, goodness. Victoria Woods, uh, Lonnie Mack, Prince. Yeah, so the concept of this festival, so it's basically musicians who have passed away from that year is that is that the theme mainly yeah it was just an idea that you know i know we all struggle with um where our loved ones go so i create the whole festival where it's just like essentially the festival in the sky so you get yourself a pearly wristband and you can enter uh, the afterlife festival and be reconnected with those that are no longer with us wow okay uh, i think that is both very endearing and uh as a music festival, very good, but also it's also the most high concept festival we have ever. Like uh, most people, are like yeah, just let's go to a park in London. Uh, this is we're going to we're going to heaven and we're gonna have a rocking weekend. That's what it's. Yeah, gonna I be. can't remember the location per se. Yeah. I'm not allowed to use such strong Judeo-Christian references. So, like heaven, so we just say <laughs> a better place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to offend any secular groups or atheists. Yeah, first of all, because I can't be asked to do that litigation, Matt. Yeah, okay. And what, what I also love is that you've thought about this enough to even think about like, not finding any groups and like you've got lawyers on board. Going, okay, it's a better place. It's legally, legally determined. Yeah, it's legal. Okay, so geographically, it's in a better place. Okay, um, this, so I usually have some uh, questions I'd like to ask here, but it, it, with, with it being in a, in a more ethereal realm, it does kind of uh, throw up a bit more, a lot more questions. So is, is a camping in the better place? Or is it a, how, what kind of um, remit does it have uh, in terms of uh, sleeping at the week? And is it over a weekend as well? We or? offer all of the same amenities that you find at your typical festival. So there's camping opportunities for people. We also offer yurts and uh, you know, glamping options uh, mm -hmm. for anyone who considers themselves to be a dignitary and wants to pay it's a premium price. What we really want to encourage people, though, is with our sustainable cabins, which are cabins which have all been built from recycled wood and contain solar panels to generate energy. So we're trying to, you know, create a whole little paradigm of sustainability and a temporary community whereby yeah. we contribute to nature as much as nature gives us. Wow. This, oh, you're really selling me on this. I'm, I'm very much enjoying this. Okay, so let's talk about, is there any kind of uh, booze or food that you would particularly like at this festival? 
we just want to all be sustainable. What we have instead is that we have a concept where we charge people at this festival mm -hmm. for individual items. What you pay for is a subscription and you can bring your own recyclable receptacles, oh. whether it's like bowls and stuff. And you bring those to our various, uh, you know, attractions in terms of the way we street food. And you can be constantly replenished as long as you have a subscription. So we'll give you that kind of wristband. And by mm -hmm. then we're able to kind of cut down on kind of waste and, you know, perishables we really want to keep away from using uh you know non-recyclables like styrofoam at this point dane i think that you put more thought into this than people who run real festivals have if you, if you know what i mean I think... i've been to a lot of them i've been to a lot of them and i know i enjoy that i know i don't enjoy that but um yeah we, you know we try to keep it with uh you know sustain all, all of the uh produce and all of the cutlery and crockery that you may get from any of our uh, street food vendors is all going to be sustainable and biodegradable and mm -hmm. uh if you want to pay a subscription fee and you can uh you know replenish with your own cups and bowls. I think that's going to win over a lot of listeners there. But um, is in terms of when you've been to festivals or live shows or anything like that, what is what's one of your favourite places to like uh, street food? What's one of your favourite food vendors at a festival? Um, I haven't really had like a distinct chain of them, but I'd say where I've had a good food. I um, I think I did the Citadel Festival in Victoria Park in uh, East London, and mm -hmm. they had like a nice jerk set up there, and they were doing like jerk wraps, which I thought was oh, amazing. Yeah, and that's always nice. I've also had, I think I've had a uh, vegan ice cream because I'm lactose intolerant, so that's always mm -hmm. good. But yeah, I keep it pretty easy, man. I'm like, well, if you can just whip up a quick burger or something, I'm not too worried about it. Although I went to um, the Why Not Festival in Lincolnshire last year and it just said, they had a dish hoom concession. No, what, sorry? But at the high-end Asian kind of tap dish hoom, they had a concession. Yes. I've never seen that before. So That's great. Yeah, and I've also seen, so that's one of the poshest things I've seen, and I did Latitude. And they had a Waterstones um, concession as well. And I was like, that's pretty... Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And I, oh, and Cornbury. I did the Cornbury Festival in Oxfordshire, which is quite near the Cotswolds as well. Yeah. Or like, I was like, this just looks like a... And that's sort of like a farmer's market. It's a very upscale mm -hmm. farmer's market rather than a festival. But I like, I like all of that and taking all those kind of uh, sensibilities and stuff as well. So, yeah, I'd like to have the same thing. I kind of maybe... Maybe it'd be nice to kind of invite like aspiring chefs and street food people to like, come and try their ways there for the first time. So it's like mm -hmm. the biggest gathering of people. So we're trying to encourage small to medium enterprise within the British Isles, trying to help some of our business owners uh, within the economy as well. Like, I, I think you might get like a, like a knighthood after this day. And this is really <laughs> top work. <laughs> it'd be nice. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, all, all the concepts I'd definitely help us out as a consultant. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I have very romantic ideas. The execution of them, maybe not so. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you're going in with fire festival. Uh, like, yeah, ideas, exactly. but you yeah. might end up. I've got fire festival level ideas, but I've, got, like, <laughs> <laughs> I've not got fire festival budgets. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. like, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, like if everything starts going like horrendously wrong, well, you, the intentions were there for sure. Yeah, but I think, um, yeah, what I would try to apply for actually is maybe apply for government funding to subsidize any uh, outreach programs that provide normally provide food and care for like, you know, disadvantaged. So like Brixton Soup Kitchen is great with that staff. And there's a Sikh welfare awareness team and they give out like food to the homeless in London that's and stuff. Great. So guys like that, if we can encourage them to work stuff or maybe liaise with them, so any excess food that's left over is passed on to sustainable people yeah. as well. Um, yeah. yeah, I really want to, yeah, if I, was, if I wanted to make a point so far as, uh, you know, politically it would be, we should pass legislation in this country at least whereby uh, any food that is wasted should be given to the homeless, which is the same way they have in France. Mm -hmm. I um, yeah, I think it's. It, I used to work at, at both McDonald's and uh, at, like supermarkets, and uh, the amount of food you took out would be like sickening as well. And uh, yeah, it just uh, yeah, it made me sad. Um, but I, I currently um, 
so obviously I do uh, comedy is like my main job, but I also work part time for Mind, and I work in the places like in uh, South Durham, uh, where a lot of people are impoverished and stuff like that. But what's quite nice is that places like Marks and Spencers, uh, they uh, they give a lot of their out of date produce to like community centres and like people who really need it as well. I think that stuff like that's brilliant. But it's not uh, why is that not like across the board? If you know what I mean? Yeah, I think like I said I think that should be encouraged with legislation. I think that should be a policy. And uh, yeah, it would definitely be an example we're trying to set with the festival whereby, you know, they said everyone, everyone should be encouraged to invest in our food banks. Brilliant. Yeah, well, I think it's time to uh, check out your main festivals. So let's go and check out your Friday. Before we go, how many days is it? Is it, is it Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah. Brilliant. So, very similar to model to kind of like wireless. Uh, so we have three varying headliners over each of those days. Okay, yeah. well, we've gone into heaven. Uh, well, we've gone to the better place. We've uh, we've queued up for a bit. We got in. We're into the afterlife, into the grounds. And who is the first band playing at Afterlife 2016? Okay, the first band playing at Afterlife is Earth, Wind & Fire brilliant start wow that's right uh we're just trying to create a feeling of togetherness and you know to kind of ease people into the festivities and stuff as well don't necessarily have to go high pace straight away we have the whole weekend so yeah just letting everybody know to relax let the groove set into your shoes and then we just groove tonight Mm -hmm. and like earth wind and fire i think it's it's up there for being one of the the best starting bands because like they are uh, not only do they fit the theme with afterlife, but also the fit like it's so it's soulful, joyful, but also people who if you have never heard of them before, or uh, like you can instantly just enjoy it. Do you know what I mean like it's uh, it's very accessible, very accessible, very uplifting, and like let's be honest, if you were on a literal stairway to heaven, like an escalator, that's the song yeah. you'd imagine hearing. That's what you'd imagine hearing as you're going to heaven. Um, and I'm going to clip that and just use that as the podcast <laughs> yeah. audience. Feel <laughs> free, but I think, yeah, um, as I said, it's they're accessible and um, it's just to people, yeah, to ease people into and what's going to be, we hope, an amazing uh, physical and metaphysical experience. Brilliant. How long are Earth, Wind & Fire playing for? Do you have any idea about how long, how many acts have you gone today as well? I think we hit the ground running, we come strong and Earth, Wind & Fire do an initial hour. Real? Um, okay. Everybody call and relax as Earth, Wind & Fire make their way over to the uh, comedy tent uh, and the attraction tent, uh, you know, just to, because it's Earth, Wind & Fire, so there's definitely going to be a Q&A. Okay, so there's Q&As as well as music. Absolutely, yeah. We want people to be able to get all the dimensions of these people. And, and obviously this is a festival uh, which doesn't just deal with, you know, the amazing physical and creativity, we also deal with the metaphysical, because it's an afterlife festival. So we know people will have questions of philosophical nature, people will have existential questions, so we provide that answer for them as well. And yeah. other than artists themselves, what themselves try to transcend the physical with the way we create. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. So it's nice that you have one stage which is like for music, and and then but you also have like a tent. Or is it, it? It might not be separate, but like it's like a tent for like kind of uh, uh, the, the there's music, but also uh, they're growing a thought as well. So yeah, this is like this is like ancient Greece. It's got everything. It's cultured. It's uh, philosophical. It's great. Exactly. Without it just being a massive distraction to uh, decline of, uh, you know, the empire. So, um, and then I think, so essentially, 
the theme, as I said, is that we celebrate those who have passed but have touched our lives even when they're not around anymore. So what you'll tend to find is that we'll have like a, you know, second attraction stage as well, where we will have, well, I guess we're going to have what's called like stage 27. And that stage is dedicated to those uh, members of the 27 Club. Wow, that's so cool. I love that. Yeah. So yeah. Like 27, whereby, you know, we kind of have our artists appear kind of chronologically. So therefore, based on what kind of different revelers we get going to the festival, like, you know, if you were a fan of Amy Winehouse, she may be a very different age to someone who's a fan of someone like XXX Tentacion. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we have the oh. lineup that just alternates and then we have all these people appear. So is there any other artists you want on that, on that 27 stage as well? Because there's, there's so many you could count. So many, so it's just who we can get a hold of. So we like yeah. Winehouse definitely, we want uh, Hendrix on there as well. Kurt Cobain um, as well. This is what the rumor is saying yeah. that he's going to come back and it's going to be his role of the Food Fighters. Are they going to be both on the main stage? I can't tell you now. You have to come to the festival, Matt, but I think you have a good idea of how amazing it's all going to go down. I love how you're even marketing this event as well. Like you're doing teasers. I love it so much. How did they saw Dave Grohl's tour bus in the car park? I don't <laughs> say much more. I'm saying 27 is crazy. I bet even before, like, you've even, like, got in touch with influencers to kind of message about it as well. You've, you've thought about this, isn't Influence it? of yesterday and today. So it's yeah. not just the influence on Instagram. Jules Holland is tweeting shit about this. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone involved. David Rodigan is tweeting about this stuff as well. Everyone's getting involved. Pat, yeah. Pat Sharp is tweeting about stuff like this. <laughs> all the big influencers. Yeah, yeah all the, all the <laughs> Back in the day. <laughs> Gonna have normalcy there, too. Yeah. Rasquame, I mean, yeah, I want the whole, I want a whole alumni of, uh, you know, influencers and tastemakers um, to who would be extended complimentary um, uh, invitations to the festival, you know, and uh, yeah, I mean, from both sides, those who uh, were able to push the move towards us and those who made it as well. So 27 stages going crazy. Oh, that's great. And um, so it's just, let me get right. So there's 27 stage, but also you have the main stage, which Earth, Wind and Fire played at. Yes. And, okay, Brill. So after Earth, Wind, and Fire, who else do you have? Who's next? A particular gentleman has been joined by a band, and they want to do some kind of Bohemian Rhapsody. I guess they're going to be there a while. I can't, can't keep giving it all away, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> People won't believe their eyes. I think they died and gone to heaven. <laughs> uh, if, if that's not a tagline, I don't know what is. Yeah. So, Freddie Mercury and his oh. band reunite on stage. So is so is it Freddie Mercury solo doing Queen songs or is it Queen the whole band as in but with, with like uh, the band as like whole projected? Lights go up and Wash go up on the stage and we see Queen, big graphic in the back. Okay, yeah. we like Brian, the other ones like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh my god, what an amazing triumvirate of power! What could yeah. be this then? Mama, oh my god, it's Freddy! Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! Everyone's fighting rainbow flags, rainbow lasers shooting into the sky, stars, yeah. graphics, lasers. Everyone's like, oh my god, that's Freddy's back! Oh my god, it's Freddy's back! You can't say that legally. Oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> well, uh, I think, uh, yeah, edition of Bohemian Rhapsody, holograms, and all that. shit. Mm. So, uh, are they doing any other Queen songs, or is it just uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, or what, what's uh, how, how long is the set for? I mean, set is as long as we can keep these amazing spirits tethered to our world. So, yeah, 
I don't like to restrict these artists. I mean, that's kind of the policy here at the Afterlife Festival is that you've now transcended, you know, the normal kind of restrictions you have. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long if they want to do an encore Bohemian Rhapsody. I don't know if they want to bring somebody else on stage. Who knows? Maybe Ziggy Stardust shows up. Now we got a duet. You was there when that shit happened. You didn't believe that shit. You must have died and gone to heaven. Are you high? <laughs> Everyone's high. It's a festival. Also, this place provides 420 amnesty. You can smoke whatever you want out in public. We don't care. That's yeah. just more. In fact, we're encouraging more growth of hemp because of the benefits of CBD. If you have chronic back pain or any kind of muscle pain, maybe early stage rheumatoid arthritis, we'll maybe go over to our CBD tent and see the benefits for any kind of chronic illnesses you may get from sampling some of our various hybrid strains. You know what? That is one hell of a step up from, you know, like like about 10 years ago, there was like oxygen tents and O2, yeah. like pure O2. That, that is total shit in comparison to the CBD tent. You know what I mean? That's, that's really, like, Absolutely. Yeah. And because we are aware that if you want to get uh, oxygen in its purest form, we know that plants through their oppressive photosynthesis are responsible for that. So we're not going to take away that and try to know, you know, graph that with some kind of technology of oxygen tanks. It's abundant. It's your entitlement as a human being and a sentient being part of the collection of questions on this planet. So if you want to breathe oxygen, come over here to this delicious, amazing hybrid indica sativa grove and you inhale all that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. help yourself. If you're having any struggle with any issues of, you know, insomnia or any kind of eating disorders, any kind of, you know, muscle, muscle issues, come over here. And not only that, if you can provide a written diagnosis from your GP or from, your, from a physician, then you can get to try some of the complementary strains that we have. This is, I'm really enjoying this day and this is good stuff. Um, but uh, so, what, but also what I like uh, with, I, I keep on asking you about times and sets and stuff like that, which I'll stop doing now because what I've I finally realized that, especially with this better place and this afterlife uh, ideology, it's no no set times. It's just a transcendental place. It's a place where you can go and see as many people as you want and as long as you want. It's it's more than just uh, a rigid realm, isn't it? Absolutely, Is yeah. I mean, I just don't want to uh, make people feel like they're restrained. We have a kind of a schedules. Uh, to say, but I guess what we want more from people is to cherish the time that people are there rather than to worry about what's coming next. Um, it's a big part of the emphasis of the Afterlife Festival, you know. You know, we can even leave a big gap between. We we may even leave a space where we're like, you know, take some time, reconnect with your family members. Yeah, yeah. like text a friend, yeah. yeah. text a friend, take some time, maybe meditate. So we, we want to provide all these attractions, but yeah, text a friend or, you know, at least stop to tell somebody you care about them for your own sake. Uh, they can encourage uh, mental uh, well-being and uh, spiritual well-being at this festival for obvious reasons. If you want to hear more from Queen, then uh, they'll be over by the Q&A tent. Brilliant. So, um, yeah, okay. So after uh, after Queen and Freddie Mercury, uh, who was next on the list? So next on the list, say, would it really be, like I said, I guess it wouldn't really concert without, without Ziggy Stardust. Oh, my God. So... Ten- so David Bowie hits the stage. I, what this is this is such a good lineup already, man. And like, and uh, how many acts are left on the on the day so far? Because like, you've already gone from strength to strength to strength. If you know what I mean, it's uh, it's gonna be. We've got loads of people, and uh, you know, we don't reveal everybody straight away because there's gonna be some surprise PAs as well. Because you know, as with life and death, you know, it's never certain. So we never know who's gonna turn up. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I said, like, you know, between now and, and since now in 2016, we've lost a lot of great people. So kind of leave it open to if people want to show up. It's a positive place and it's where people who are mm. artists who spent their uh, mortal call being tortured can now enjoy peace. So they can come whenever they want, show up. 
We ain't going anywhere, baby. It's my fantasy, so you do what you want. Everyone chill. However, you know, but then I suppose, if, keep in mind, we still got the 27 stage as well. So mm-hmm. that's still going crazy right now. Have you always been a massive uh, fan of Bowie? Or were you, were you really upset when you heard the news that he passed away? I, to be fair, I wasn't always a massive fan. I wasn't that aware of his music. But that being said, I was definitely aware of his artistry and his contribution to, you know, mm-hmm. in general. Um, but yeah, David Bowie. And David Bowie, he is somebody where as an icon, he's someone I can appreciate for just who he was as well as the music. And that's mm-hmm. always uh, the kind of artist I've aspired to emulate because uh, you know, David Bowie was very, very outspoken about representation. Uh, sure. This on uh, music on mainstream music channels. Um, obviously, he was always very open and very much celebrated his uh, relationship with Iman. Um, so yeah, he definitely, I think, definitely was an artist that most people, if they want to consider themselves a rock star, definitely trying to emulate his uh his outlook on life so yeah i was a big fan of what he stood for as well even if i wasn't massively into the start in the same way that like i didn't uh, growing up i didn't listen to a lot of grunge growing mm. up um but that being said now i know the kind of the ethos behind grunge aesthetically and this is what kurt cobain stood for again mm-hmm. you know i can only respect that and uh yeah he definitely has and he'll know that when like, he joins us on stage later on <laughs> I think we should hear the rest of the, the Friday lineup and just see uh, see what other marvelous stock we have uh, got we got ourselves in for. Uh, well, yeah, definitely we've got the uh, we've got Nirvana, we've got the Foo Fighters and stuff as well. Uh, so Nirvana, Foo Fighters. So it goes Nirvana then Foo Fighters on on the right. Friday. Then they link up as well. Oh wow! Okay. Nirvana. That's a working title. They might not want to keep that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just spitballing here, guys. All right, I, I know, uh, you know, like, just uh, just got a couple of ideas, but, like, uh, I've got some pointers. <laughs> exactly. We're also uh, Dead or Alive, uh, because we lost Pete Burns in 2016 as well. Mm-hmm. So Dead or Alive, you know, nice, lovely, nostalgic set as well. Nice to get him on there. Um, not only being, you know, very iconic singer in the 80s, but also a former celebrity Big Brother uh, star. Unfortunately, don't know much of that work. Really. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not that familiar, but I do know that, uh, you know, the song uh, Round and Round is very iconic. And also because Pete Burns appeared uh, prior to his death, was in the process of transitioning. And I think, yeah, it's important to have that mouthpiece uh, when we discuss, you know, issues of mentalness and well-being uh, with the Q&A. So he's uh, mm-hmm. good functions. So, you know, because we want this whole festival and even the process of the question Q&A, um, where some people are calling a seance, but saying I'm not summoning anybody, I'm asking them nicely to attend. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we want to be able to uh, provide peace uh, for both uh, artists as well as audience, you know, because uh, we understand for a lot of the artists, they may have messages they weren't able to relay during their time on Earth. So we give them an opportunity as well. And there's a lot of heart in this festival, not just spirituality as well, but I think there's a lot of, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a great ethos with everything that you thought about, which is really, really lovely to hear. Um, and those voices are definitely needed and uh uh yeah great it's great that there's a no when you said you first had a q a tent the music nerd in me thought oh that's really good but it's more it's, it's, there's also that idea that you can actually hear what these people stood for and uh and hear their their stories more than just hear their music as well so that's great I'm glad i'm glad uh getting there two bash core getting ready to do the 27 stage okay uh along with uh, notorious big Wow, oh my god, yeah. We're gonna have Free Fires and Nirvana linking up, and you're gonna have Queen and Ziggy Stardust linking up, Biggie and Tupac linking up back to back. I love that. 
a lot of duets, uh, not not duets, but like kind of like coming together, co- like kind of coalitions in the. Yeah, because I feel like there's so many things whereby we're like, oh my god, imagine if those guys got to work together in the end, and uh, you know, it's always a shame sometimes when you see people go their separate ways, and you think, you know, had those guys continued to work together, they could have made something great, or had they had the opportunity. Because I'm always, uh, yeah, very mindful of uh, that synergy you get with some acts as well. Simon, well, Simon Garfunkel would be a, a great example, but but then even I remember Aaliyah and uh, and and Timberland, like when they came together and made One in a Million, like for me that was like a sublime pairing. Same with uh, or Timberland and Missy, and uh, Brandy and Dark Child. So that uh, Brandy's album um, Never Say Never just mm-hmm. uh, took her artistry up to another level. Or even Salam Remy working with uh, Amy Winehouse on Back to Black. So yeah, yeah. definitely want to encourage that collaboration because I think it's something that. We are normally starved of as uh, you know fans because of all the litigation and the bureaucracy, politics involved with like labels and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this festival definitely is supposed to represent giving people carte blanche. Like I said, it's amnesty. No one's going to have any issues with like royalties. They sing particular songs or work with other people. So we're just trying to get rid of that and just provide an opportunity where people's imaginations can run wild. And when we have these conversations, like imagine if so and so got to do an album with so and so, that we're just trying to create that uh, you know space if we yeah. can. Wow. So, yeah, so Biggie and Tupac coming together at last. Yeah, because we want to hear, like, you know, both of them have massively expansive catalogues. Obviously, they've had some very limited freestyles together. But, you know, to see, to see like, Tupac being Biggie's hype man and vice versa, I think, you know, the extent mm-hmm. of that alone would do wonders for uh, the hip-hop culture, if nothing else. My God, the money we will make back on the merch sales, just in case, because we have to have a contribution... <laughs> I'm a fantasist, I'm a romantic, but I've got to be realistic. And I know Tupac and Biggie get on stage and we sell that kind of merch. Whatever Kanye made through Sunday service, there'll be a candle in the sun once we... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I love it because it's like, like there's a lot of heart and soul, but we also got to make money, okay? We you know how money. stakeholders are, you know, they're not going to let this happen unless I can show some kind of like revenue stream. So there you yeah. go. Do you, do you know how much it costs to get a festival in a better place? It's it's unruly. It's, uh, it's ungodly. I mean, if anything, it's super godly and super expensive. It's like church expensive. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I oh, I applaud this in every single way. It's great. Who is your Friday headliner then? Can we, uh, can we, are you ready to reveal? We are ready to reveal. I'm very excited. I want people LinkedIn right away so i've and the other reason makes sort of merch max so i spent a lot of money in these headliners as you know all right so we get to the point where everything faced black on that main stage and then you just see the lights begin to flash in a weird pattern and then the hi-hats come in and the snares and you hear the synth then you just hear Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, Whitney Houston. Oh my God, it's Whitney. Yes. I can't believe it. Everyone's going crazy. Whitney, I love you. I love you too. She comes on stage. She's like, how will I know? Everyone's like, oh my God. Whitney Houston is the first headliner Friday night. Oh my God. Crazy. That's she wants to dance with somebody. Who's that somebody? Thousands, tens of thousands of revelers that have attended the best festival in the best place in mm. this world and the other side of the world and the other side of reality. And people are going crazy. Whitney's back. Ah, oh, this can't get any better. Or can it get any better? Hey, Whitney, what's that song you did? 
Oh, if I told you, who's missing? And that motherfucking George Michael. Oh my God. It's a perfect. He didn't even die too much. Now he's back. Oh my God. Then they're all singing. Everyone's like, George Michael, everybody. So then George Michael's like, well, I guess it would be nice. Oh uh. <laughs> he's backing him up. If I can touch your body, I know not everybody got a body like you. So you should embrace your body and embrace your self-image. Oh my God, the best festival ever. Everyone's going crazy. Wow. I, 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 that is war. That, that was imagine, a... Matt, the amount of amazing people that have come to this festival from the LGBT community because mm -hmm. they heard rumors about the return of, of Ziggy Stardust and gay icon, uh, whether or not he did embrace or not, Freddie Mercury, mm -hmm. all these people show up. Then at the end of all these festivities, like George Michael's on stage, be like, mm -hmm. freedom! Everyone's going, oh my God, it's the best day ever. And then, yeah, Whitney Houston's on stage as well. Like, amazing. Gonna, like, and the way you described that, may I say, was very magical as well. Like, yeah. uh, firstly, uh, that the, the punch of Whitney, then then you got a, a, another, a, a, like a sucker punch of George Michael as well. Oh, that's it. Like, that's it. Uh, and everyone's saying, it's not right, but it's okay. I'm gonna make it. And that fingers are snapping everywhere. Yeah. Like, it's, it'd be, it's gonna be amazing. And then that goes on for like 12 minutes. <laughs> it's a bunch of disgruntled, amazing members of like yeah. LGBTQ community being like, it's not right, but it's okay. I'm gonna make it anyway. Like, like, like Whitney and George have stopped playing their instruments because uh, all the LGBT, uh, all, all the fans in the audience are just singing along. That's like, overpowering the, the, the stage. It's like, is that an angel or do you just come from pride? You'll never know, honey. People say I'm heavenly anyway, snap, yeah. snap. And it's like, oh, you just imagine the best Pride Day combined with the best day ever at Notting Hill Carnival. That's yeah. all combined, sprinkled in ice and sugar. It's just, and just stardust, literally. Everyone having a great time. Wow. Well, I, I'm not sure how, because um, on Friday, you've literally had some of the m most massive acts in the history of music uh, uh, it, all in one day and that some of them have come together for impossible collaborations and wow I'm not sure how Saturday can compete but I think I'm uh, I think it's good to I'm ready yeah, to, to hear Saturday, your Saturday rather, so Saturday really um, we're going to laugh on some recovery uh, yes. uh, more the same have some more lineup but Saturday a large part of a lot of the emphasis will be about uh, Q&A 10 and uh, I guess what people are calling say on Saturday, a lot of the people that <laughs> will be holding uh, Q and A's and conferences, just talking people through the process of grief and loss, you know, for all some of their loved ones, and also talking about you know the experiences of you know trying to transcend the physical through the medium of art. And so yeah, a lot of our esteemed guests and attendees will be taking the stage, and people will be coming to listen as well. And also because I know people will be absolutely hanging after the Friday, let's get it back together. There's kind of like an element of counselling and mental health well-being here, talking about grief, loss, but also uh, like moving on as well, uh, but also talking about artistry as well. So they have that. It's like a TED talk, but mixed with a lot more spirituality, plus like a, a compression time where it's like, you know what? Exactly. I sure TED talks, well, they, can, they can sponsor as well. <laughs> and you know, we'll just, we'll just have an impromptu TEDx talks where, you know, people go and give account of themselves and their experiences. And I just think the idea is that we are all trying to seek higher love and a collective consciousness that's a big emphasis of the afterlife festival 
is letting people know that if you are able to believe and give yourself over to something greater than yourself, then when your physical self is no longer here, that thing will still remain, you know? And uh, it's never been about how much money you earn or spend. I don't remember how much money uh, was made by this next upcoming artist. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, Mr. Robert Destamali, but none to you is Bob Marley. Oh my God, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> he was involved. Bob Marley, like, you know what? Uh, we, we haven't actually had Bob Marley on the, on this podcast before. As, I mean, not as a guest, I mean, obviously as a, as a suggestion as well. But like, yeah, Bob Marley, like, uh, uh, yeah, I think what a, what a way to start your Saturday in terms of music as well. Like, uh, that must be. And also, if it's a bit more chilled out as well, whoa, what a perfect act. I think, yeah, I think people should be getting low and chilled now and enjoying the vibes. And it's all about, you know, low frequency, high vibration, positivity, because trust me, they're going to need their energy tonight. Okay, uh, so have you always been a massive fan of Bob Marley and, and, and like reggae? Um, again, the whole reggae thing kind of, so my family are from Grenada, mm-hmm. so there was always an, and there's a unique massive emphasis on reggae music, but it's there as well because my family also listens to like Calypso and Soka as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, so I, I probably got into Bob Marley a lot more uh, in university, like this stuff, but again it's like for me Bob Marley, one of the biggest attractions for me to him is just I'm always into and I always admire artists, people that are fully immersed and they're obsessed about their creativity. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, he was known for being like an avid football player. But most of all, like, you know, this is a man who was a musician who was able to unite two opposing parties, you know, within mm-hmm. Jamaica at a time of massive political unrest. And it makes me think, like, today, would someone be able to, like, get, get Jeremy Corbyn and Boris Johnson on the stage? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be whoever was able to pull that off. You know, would be you know, it'd be an iconic thing. You know, I mean, this is somebody who also you know survived attacks on his life for his political beliefs and stuff as well. So, you know, if anyone's ever stared death in the face and continued to have good vibes, then perfect to this festival. Wow, well, um, thank you for that answer as well. And um, so we've had Bob Marley and the Whalers. Uh, so after after that, after that lovely start, who's next? I mean, if we're gonna have the Whalers, I feel like we should also have. Like, you know, Peter Tosh as well, because not as well known, but definitely an iconic uh, person that pushed uh, reggae. reggae. So going to mm-hmm. have keep the, the reggae vibes going. Mm-hmm. Brill. I don't know about Peter Tosh, unfortunately, but I will, uh, I'm, I'm, see, I'm making the list to check out afterwards as exactly, well. Yeah, definitely a learning curve. Also uh, on the stage as well, I have a special place reserved for um, UK Garage and House. I'm a big fan of Garage, House and Garage as well. And, yeah. uh, you know, two of the people that uh, we've definitely lost is uh, Dr. Psycho, mm-hmm. uh, to health complications uh, last year, and also uh, Tubby T, who was, had a great song with uh, the garage producer Sticky, uh, which is called um, I Was Born to Sing, and it's mm-hmm. a great song. Yeah, so, yeah, has a UK garage in there as well. So who else is part of the UK garage say, uh, in terms of, uh, on your lineup, who else is um, on the uh, DJ EZ, because mm-hmm. I think he's just the best ever. Uh, then I'm also going to have uh, DJ Slimzy, who was the Roll Deep DJ. Wow, okay. So already a different vibe from Friday as well. you got yeah. Reggae and Garage, UK Garage. Uh, as Yeah, so after your Garage session, who's uh, kind of finishing off that Saturday as well? All right, so again, you will know what time it is. Saturday, main stage, everything face to black. Then, in the distance, a soft purple light surrounds the entire place. Then you just hear that downward crescendo. 
There you again, you hear the plimps. Then all you hear is in the silence. Dig if you win a picture. Oh my fucking! Oh my god! Everyone starts going crazy. The icon appears in bright purple lights in the background. The whole of the new power generation is right there with Prince on stage. And everyone's there, not just Prince, everyone from that whole Minneapolis sound is there. So then oh my Prince god. crazy stuff. Then he passes it on to Morris Day in the time. And they do some crazy shit. Then Sheila E does some shit as well, right? Then Lisa Lisa and Coach Jam do I wonder if I take you home. Everyone's going fucking crazy, Matt. But that's not all. Are you tired? You need to unwind. Let Alexander O'Neill calm you down. Alexander oh, wow. O'Neill's back on stage as well. Now it's going crazy. Then again, Prince comes back on stage with the new power generation. They're doing cream. They're doing cream live. Then they do get up. Everyone's going crazy. Rosie Gaines is smashing it. Now they're doing diamonds and pearls. Then Rosie Gaines is doing her garage stuff as well. Who's DJing in the back? It's fucking he said. It's the best concert ever. What the fuck? What I love most is that that person who, um, uh, well, the, the whole crowd is like collectively like just sh- that keep on getting shocked and shocked and shocked. Like, oh my god, it's all like they're at that state the whole way through the festival. That's right. That's why you. That's why you gotta have the Q and A tent just to chill that's out a bit. Q and A tent just to chill out a bit, just to have a little talk, man. And because we want people to be themselves. What are you thinking? What are you going through? What are you managing? Not just psychologically, spiritually. You know, we want mm-hmm. everyone to be free here. You know, because no one understands a tortured soul more than the artists that you're seeing on stage. And we're trying to encourage by holographic principle for everyone to have that catharsis. No one's supposed to suffer in silence. That's why we do the things that we do. This is why real artists want to create because we want to give you something that may not be tangible but transcends all the physical shit that we occupy our minds with. <laughs> yeah, it's that's a really uh, it's an interesting point because uh, uh, I uh, I remember reading Freddie Mercury's uh, biography and uh, it was written by this journalist who went around with him quite a lot and. It, the opening chapter, and I'm, I am going to paraphrase this and, uh, and bastardize it in a way, uh, uh, but it basically it talks about you know, the reason he wanted to become an artist, the same as other, other people, because like artists have this yearning to be adored in a way that like you don't get it in your normal life, so they want to be on stage to have that as well. And uh, so they are those tortured victims. Uh, not necessarily artists, tortured. Don't let anyone tell you different, man. I'm sure you know as well. All artists, all creatives, poets especially, we just want to be loved. Yeah. You know? And then we're just trying to, you know, we are trying to encourage that, you know, paradigm as much as possible. We want people to be able to give over their love and be able to find that reciprocated by these artists. And even though it's not the kind of typical coupling that we know, whether it's platonic or romantic, but there is a link between, you know, a creator and those who they, for whom they create. So we want to encourage that as much as possible. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's brilliant. And uh, I think, uh, I think we just, um, so Prince and uh, Prince and multiple guests of the same kind of uh, yeah, he's influenced all the people that hit the careers that he kind of launches that we just make it into like a kind of Minneapolis kind of uh, showcase. Prince and the Minneapolis showcase. Hello, lovely stuff. Fun fact: my uh, my brother was named after Alexander O'Neill. What a massive high! And I can imagine that prints in the Minneapolis uh, showcase that that can go on for hours as well you can watch it for hours as well um but so after that whirlwind I think it's time to head to Sunday and uh, do our final day because oh we we are um we we are tired but we are uh, the, the spirit is willing cool so Sunday you know we're keeping up with the same thing and the same traction that everyone's used to what we're also doing on Sunday is maybe observing some element of spirituality um, you know, we recognize at this festival that uh, people that are passing to the afterlife don't just influence us 
culturally and socially through music, but you know, there's been a lot of people that have, uh, you know, it will because it's Sunday, it may begin with a kind of a solemn note because we have to remember that some people have been lost and have been lost under very tragic circumstances. So at this time, you know, we remember people like Joe Cox, who was actively working to better our society. Yeah. Like Benazir Bhutto and, uh, you know, just, you know, a very long list of people that we know effectively contribute to, contribute to like making the world a better place. Yeah. Uh, so again, at this particular point, we make people aware of the amount of need that we've been able to generate over the course of the last two days. And we provide a list of early childhood organizations that we will uh, be making donations towards through this festival. So, you know, some, yeah. of, the, uh, some of the more philanthropic, uh, I suppose, organizations I want to be able to contribute directly towards will be for uh, water filtration uh, globally as well. Uh, we want to also provide relief and education and uh, health and social care to indigenous peoples all over the world. Uh, whether they are based in Australia or whether they are based in uh, North America, in Alaska. Mm -hmm. So they are indigenous uh, Australian and Inuit communities we want to support as well. Uh, our festival uh, believes that uh, women are the majority of people on the planet and the reason why we are able to exist as a species. So we uh, go on to make sure that we provide high, feminine hygiene products to all women that require them in schools. So this is where people's money is going towards. So just want to make that very clear at the end of this festival because we are clue trying to make a change and uh yeah be better people make a difference it's gonna feel all right man that's great thank you uh that's also what the festival should stand for as well and i think some festivals do lean into that a lot more some don't but i think what you're doing is really it's it's not only just a spiritual event it's not only a music festival it's a kind of a social platform to kind of get to get the change that is needed in the society not just it's uh yeah to talk about tragedies and, and justice and justices and but to kind of get people to work together and be together as well absolutely i mean you know we're just trying to definitely uh replicate the same i guess the same state that we want to see when we go to the other side into a good place and to try and rather than wait what we're trying to say is that we don't want people to die before they experience heaven you know yeah, like, I know someone who could say that better than me. Please welcome to the stage, Belinda Carlisle. <laughs> <laughs> like, I I love how you're comparing it as well. Like, he's like, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's, yeah that's that's me. I'm the ringmaster. So. Yeah, I think you'd be really, you'd be good for that. And you're also the same person who's going, oh my god, like, exactly. Yeah. So because I never got to see these people in concert myself, so I'm <laughs> massively excited about stuff, and I'm like, oh my god, it's present. <laughs> And it's like, didn't that guy book the whole festival? It's like, yeah, he, kn he knows who's on. Like, no surprise, isn't he? He's backstage. Yeah, and then I'm like, I'm gonna go get Prince, and the bouncers let me. I'm like, you can't let me go. Uh, but it's you. But no, still, Prince. <laughs> um, yeah, Sunday's focus will definitely be. There'll be uh, somewhat of a hip hop focus um, because you know it's a genre I enjoy very much, and uh, unfortunately, it's definitely a genre which is too frequently plagued by uh, premature deaths. Um, but this means that the lineup is going to be very extensive today. As I said, we mentioned some of the people that have passed away, uh, obviously Biggie and Tupac, but I'm sure will come and do a PA. And they'll actually be the curators of our tent of our fallen heroes as well. Wow, okay, yeah. Yeah, Biggie and Pac to introduce the acts as well. So we'll have Big L, uh, Big Pun will also appear, uh, XXXTentacion, Pop Smoke, mm -hmm. Mac Dre, uh, Nate Dogg, 
oh man, how good would a Nate Dogg medley be, right? Yeah, uh, I, to be honest, I don't know uh, much about that artist, but like uh, the, the anytime you hear something and it's like, oh no, that's Nate Dogg. Okay, know. okay, <laughs> that, thank you, thank you for contextualizing. Uh, um, but also, there's a there's a, there's a wide range of uh, different uh, hip hop artists there as well. I think it's uh, yeah, and as you say, it's a, it's a genre that's been. Um, hit with a lot of early deaths as well so yeah it's a I, I really like that angle as well uh what draws you to hip-hop i think uh hip-hop to me and i think what it draws me is what draws everybody is that uh hip-hop was kind of the answer to the question about you know inner city black and latinx kids not being able to have the money to seek any kind of musical lessons or any music yeah. and so essentially they created a uh, entire culture and uh you know entire uh not just the genre of music, but an entire culture, which has allowed, I believe, what I think since civil rights is one of the largest cultural phenomenon to come out of America, I definitely believe that uh, hip hop has allowed uh, people of a working class disposition to uh, have a culture unto themselves. I think normally if you were from the peasantry, wherever you are in the world, there's this very synonymous with being uncultured and uh, hip hop has provided a culture for the working class and also provided a narrative for those who wouldn't normally have a platform because without being able to have access to music, then what you do wouldn't be necessarily considered music, but uh, hip hop has provided uh, low barriers to entry for uh, people from somewhat impoverished backgrounds to be mm-hmm. able to uh, realize some level of social mobility and just have a narrative. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's just very important uh, as a cultural phenomenon. And it's always been, in its uh, historically, it's always been uh, the voice of the voiceless. And I think that's, yeah, because, um, I think that's why I uh, I really fell in love with it as well. Like I, I'm not the biggest hip hop fan in the world, but when I was a teenager, I was like I kind of easily dismissed it. But when I learned that fact, when I learned that it was hip hop was a tool uh, to be accessed by uh, by by everyone, you know, it's a, it's not just. I think that was a that that really opened my eyes to see how wonderful. Uh, and also like the production of that as well like so like the the idea of especially in hip hop like sampling music and like doing stuff on top of that i think that's such a clever and like so important and if you think about it as well like even i can see myself personally as an adolescent the reason why i even know about like you know your kirk Cobain's and your david bowes and stuff is because i'd hear them originally in a sample from a hip-hop song so like Mm -hmm. me i really know about like um let's dance but i the first song i heard was um been around the world by puff daddy and biggie so yeah Song and it worked out that was sampled from Less Dance. So, you know, again, it's like for me, I kind of was aware of it, but having more of an appreciation for like, you know, iconic 80s artists or people like David Bowie or people like Duran Duran and Aha, because a lot of time they're, uh, they'd be sampled through hip hop songs. And a lot of time, if you do get into hip hop, especially when you hear a sound you like, like most people, you retroactively will look back at like how that came about. So, yeah, I think mm-hmm. the significance of hip hop should definitely be highlighted at the festival. And, uh, I think one of my favorite websites to lose as many hours as you want on is um, whosampledthat.com. And basically you can kind of, if you yeah. don't know what it is, it's like you can just go and find out all the different websites, like, uh, all the different tracks which featured on different things. And oh, what a, what a train ride. Yeah, that's cool. Wouldn't it be really better if you could actually speak to the artist that was sampled? Yeah. Oh yeah. my, you get them both on stage and talk about, yeah. This is it, you know, and how they feel about it and stuff as well. I mean, yeah. so, you know, that being said, it wouldn't be a real festival if we didn't thank a man who, two men who have been massively responsible for allowing hip hop to be sampled. Please welcome to the stage, the Godfather of Soul. It's James Brown! Oh my God, yes, mate, yes. Right, and then he's crazy. It's like, isn't it crazy? It's pretty crazy. You know what makes this shit crazier? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Rick motherfucking James. 
to the stage. Yes. Oh my God. Exactly. <laughs> Say what? It's amazing. Yeah. Um, I've got to say that the, the vocals you're giving off in this podcast are phenomenal. Um, um, again, that record deal is really paying off, actually. So, uh, no, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. You made it. Now, <laughs> understandably, as you can imagine, me screaming stuff like, oh my God, I'm, oh my God, I'm I am somewhat spent. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I take some time out for exhaustion because I yeah. want to be ready in time for the main act, headline act, Sunday night. Mm-hmm. So, Sunday night headliner, take it away. So everyone, everyone's crowded around. Who could it be? Who could it possibly be? I mean, how can you top some of the shit I've seen here? Like, this is amazing. This, this couldn't get any better. It could have hit. Oh, it's been a power cut throughout the entire site. <laughs> there are no lights. This is worrying. What's that sound? Is that wolves howling? This could have gone better. What's that sound in the distance, Matt? Sounds like us. That Chinook helicopter. Can you hear that? It's weird, but they're all matte black. Apart from one piece of golden insignia, can't really make it out. What is it? I'm not sure. Those wings? Wings. Those feet? Feet? White tube socks? Ow! I will fucking get it! It's Michael Jackson! Uh, Oh my god. It's Michael Jackson! Oh my god! There's grown hip hop fans fainting everywhere. It's Michael! Oh my god! It's Michael! It's Michael! Why are the lights come back on? Oh, because we've got fucking 12 feet Michael Jackson ice sculptures. Yeah. <laughs> when those melt, all that water will be taken to wells throughout Africa. Oh my God, this is a man. It's Michael Jackson. Now everyone's going crazy. People crying, people fainting. Literally angels are crying from the heaven. Michael's on stage. The stage, the, the roof has blown off as planned. Now the lights are everywhere. Michael Jackson's just dancing. He's dancing. Is he dancing in a, pearly, a gilded pearly cage? That's right. <laughs> He's dancing, two angels now appear. Now all these blacking dancers are all angels. First we start mm-hmm. off with the cherubim, then the seraphim, then all of the archangels. Everybody's going crazy. All the other celebrities, they're dancing and grooving. Shoulders are shaking in the background. Everyone's going nuts. I mean, Prince is not particularly, he's kind of underwhelmed, but he's the right. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's like, oh my God, Michael. Michael Jackson's on stage and he's doing all of it. When I say yeah. all of it, he's doing all of it. First of all, he starts off and he's introducing himself. He's doing all of those hits that we know and love. Then the hologram appears and it's that rabbit from Speed Demon. Then he transforms into the whole smooth criminal thing. Then the robot from Speed Demon's on stage and from Moonwalker's on stage. And that actually happens. And then he's like, ah, oh, I want to welcome everybody. Won't you? you know, I come from a very musical family. Let's welcome to the stage. Brandy and Tito and Marla and the Jackson and also Janet too. Now everyone's going crazy. Then Janet comes on stage and Janet does a few numbers and she's going crazy. And he's like, well, I'd feel bad if I didn't bring my nephews. Then 3T are on stage and 3T yeah. stuff. And Michael's like, you know, over the years, I just tried to be the king of pop and produce the best music ever for a new generation. And I'm so glad I've been those people. So please welcome to the stage, Neo and Chris Brown and all the people that have obviously been influenced by Michael Jackson. Yeah. And it's just Chris Brown and Amarian and they're having a dance off with Michael, and we're all like, this is amazing! And Michael's like, but that's not, oh, isn't this dancing? Some of the songs too. Please welcome to the stage, Bruno Mars. And Bruno Mars and Michael oh Jackson. Oh my God. Bruno Mars is playing the piano, and Michael Jackson singing this, she's out of my life. No one tells Michael Jackson no. Everyone's turning up. This shit is crazy. There's news cameras, helicopters, everything. You know, then like the TA show up, and then I'm like, what's the problem here? We, people have heard that Michael Jackson's on stage. 
Apparently, there's a movement of people all shifting up to this particular location. We can't hold everybody in. Look, guys, it's going to be fine. It's Michael. Everyone's going crazy. I love Michael. I love you, Michael. I love you, Michael. And it's just, it's just, so, I, I didn't have blackout. But. Yeah. I mean, like, I love how much uh, enthusiasm and also, like, you put surprises and twists at every single turn for all these headlines as well. Like, uh, then, like they are this twist upon twist here, and I really like that as well. Twist upon twist. People have to know that the festival's kicking off. It's got to be, you know, people have to be like, I died and went to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you been a fan of Michael Jackson? Has it been a big influence in your life? I think, yeah, throughout my life, I think my attention to Michael Jackson probably waned as I became a teenager and more into like uh, hip hop and stuff. And I guess I felt like, I should be defining my existence as a man by being a lot more masculine and into more masculine stuff. Mm-hmm. And the kind of sounds that I, were in, I was into, uh, I guess sonically, uh, Michael Jackson probably moving in a way that I was still have time, but not as enthused. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm honest, like, so for me, up until, like, I guess, a Dangerous album, uh, uh, Invincible, it's kind of my Michael Jackson era. I know a lot of people are still massive fans and stuff and people like, like Butterflies and those kind of songs, which I do, I do enjoy and like, you know, Blood on the Dance Floor, I do enjoy, but, Blood on the dance floor won't do it for me. Like PYT will do it for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I remember being a, a massive fan of a. Uh, I think Michael Jackson was my like. I liked music beforehand, but Michael Jackson was one of the first album, uh, the first musicians I fell in love with their music. Like fell in love with that the and an artist uh, and a lot of the records. He, he, he's the prototypical uh, musical superstar. You yeah. Know? So it's like yeah, I think a lot his. Mark Jackson, like, you know, his other contemporaries, whether it's Michael Jordan, it's like they had a profile which transcended uh, their discipline. So mm-hmm. Mark Jordan was the best basketball player and became bigger than basketball. And I think Mark Jackson was a musician, but, you know, through the endorsements and the films and the like, you know, that was the blueprint that was set for you to go from being, you know, recording as a musician to being a superstar. And I think given now that we live in a digital era whereby you can uh, definitely find carve a niche much easier than you used to be able to, and you mm. can reach an audience. I don't think you'll see a artist of Michael Jackson's stature um, organically again of that nature. Yeah, that's that's a that's a really interesting point. Yeah, because yeah, especially because there's a lot of art and artists that now. It feels that like things are a bit more diluted as well, a bit more. Absolutely, yeah. People yeah. not easy to reach an audience, and also like it's also because like essentially what it took for Michael Jackson to be that good is is child abuse. So it's kind of illegal to do that to somebody to make them that good again. So it's like yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a really interesting discussion point because obviously Jackson Five and yeah, the 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 way that uh, yeah, because I, I I to be honest, I'm talking in an area which I don't know tons about, but um, but in terms of like Jackson Five, in terms of the the, the father, uh, it's kind of like there was as you say there was abuse there and kind of like doing stuff like that yeah, and uh, early abuse and trauma. Also, the fact that you know this is a man who was coming into his uh, adolescence circa 1960s where being african-american especially one from indiana was not particularly uh, advantageous as well uh, so probably wrestling with that uh, also wrestling with having every single aspect of your life where you know it's a weird juxtaposition whereby most african-americans and their needs and ideas are being ignored but every single thing you do is being scrutinized and by that token because you have that kind of profile then there's a pressure of are you representing us how you're supposed to, as well as like, do you represent us? Because obviously Michael Jackson, I guess, as a brand becomes an American export and for mm-hmm. a historically racist country, that's a bit more difficult as well. They've added to all of that stuff, managing his trauma, being brought to Jehovah's Witnesses where, you know, within that paradigm of religion, it's not very, I mean, a lot of it, don't believe in organ donation and, you know, having birthdays. Yeah. A, the world's most famous person to also not celebrate his own birthday 
Like there's a lot of weird stuff that would go into the complex. And again, as I say, we all know that there's a lot of pressures that come with celebrity and fame, but it was never like that. And that was almost how it began. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I think maybe the Michael Jackson Q&A might probably be a bit more, uh, yeah, well attended than the actual concert. Well, was- yeah. Uh, well, it does lead into the question with Michael as well, because like, uh, you're not the first person to have um, submitted Michael. And uh, again, uh, as, a, as a fan of music, I really enjoy it. He's the king of pop, but obviously there are those main allegations against him as well. Uh, so yeah. in terms of a philosophical thing and talk about Q&A, What's your views upon like uh, the 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 art between the artist and uh, the the music as well? Do you think there's a cognitive dissonance between the two, and like uh, can people enjoy one but not the other, or is it a package? What what's your thoughts and feelings? I, I think it's down it's down to personal choice. I think as you've mentioned, some of the artists and some of the activism and some of the uh, more altruistic actions they did off of stage and mm-hmm. how much to me. I think it's very hard for you to separate the uh, artists and their actions. Um, I think the really question isn't really about separating them. It's more about the level of idolatry we have as a society. I'm a really big fan of Michael Jackson. I'm a really big fan of Michael Jackson. But even as a child, like, I'm not going to go and share a bedroom with Michael Jackson. And that's not me victim blaming, but it's like, yeah, yeah. I just, I just, I'm just saying psychologically, I have always been able to make that distinction where I admire everything Michael Jackson does, but that does not give him, he doesn't have any priority in my mind over my own parents. Mm-hmm. Because while he has massively entertained and influenced and inspired me, Michael Jackson was not paying for me to go to school, pay for my uniform or for my phone bill. So I've always been able to rationalise that. So to me, I, I think it's very hard to kind of separate, especially if, you know, however people feel about artists and their level of influence, when these smoking cameras disappear, they are still human beings, taxpayers, and effectively members of society as well. So they are no more exempt um, from, you know, abiding by society's laws than the rest of us. But by the same token, you know, we shouldn't give them any extra expectation or any kind of exclusion. So on the one hand, we can't say, you know, you can't separate the music from the other artists from their actions. But on the other hand, we can't, if an artist does, you know, have an opinion or, you know, wants to contribute to social political issues, we can't be like to stick to the music. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, we have to treat, yeah. people, we treat everybody else. That's a really, uh, that's, that's a great response. Thank you, Dane. And uh, so I, I think, uh, wow. I, so looking, Dane, i got to say, your, your festival is like, it's, it's up there. Out of this world, out of this world literally. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, uh, I think, uh, I think it's time. I, I don't, I don't. I'm not sure you could add anything else. So there was, uh, you've added cherry upon cherry, and uh, and not only have you got um, musical substance, you also got like uh, spiritual and kind of like wholesome substance as well. That you've not down the park, mate. Uh, I can't. Uh, but I think it's time to go and check out some floor fillers. <laughs> So as with event management, things are bound to go wrong. So here's a couple of hypothetical questions that Dane has to deal with in the manner that he sees fit. 
Okay, I'm going to start one which I think you'll really enjoy. Uh, your festival loves you so much, Dane, and they've loved that you've done everything for them. Uh, but And they want you to sing one song at your festival. If you had to pick one song from any of the artists on your uh, on uh, on your lineup, which song would you pick to sing? Like, do a song. Given the amount of artists that are there, I think it's easiest to go with We Are The World. Yeah. It's a floor filler. Everybody can join in, get the hands and the candles and the, and, and the lighters going. Um, and yeah, and I think it's a great way of underwriting the uh, theme of the festival that we are all one. So I think we'd go for Old School, We Are The World, as produced by Quincy Jones. Brilliant stuff. Um, so, um, oh no, um, Whitney Houston has cancelled last minute because uh, of a, uh, but she, uh, she missed a train. Um, who do you get to replace Whitney Houston? Oh, man, Whitney? Yeah, no. God damn it, Whitney. That's okay. Uh, who can replace Whitney at such short notice? <laughs> that's not too hard I mean Queen are still there yeah pick a headline real stuff oh dear uh, um, one of your artists is running late and you need to um, you need someone to fill in for time um, fortunately there's a whole array of uh, celebrities ready, ready and willing to do a DJ set for you which celebrity if you had to pick from any in the whole world uh, would you pick to do a DJ set Michelle Obama yes oh my <laughs> god that would be so good as well right? like, you can imagine oh, yeah. the hits. Because you know Michelle, can, she remembers the dance moves and choreography and stuff when she's doing campaign trails. She just puts the crossfader this way, comes around from the top of the table. Come on, everybody. Power and power and women everywhere. Like, we love you, Michelle. I want to read because of you. <laughs> so Michelle's got it handled. Excellent stuff. Final question. One of your acts has forgotten their equipment, but good news, you can, um, they can do the set acoustically. If you had to choose one artist from your whole lineup um, um, to do an acoustic set, which one would you pick? That's easy. Prince. No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can play everything. So yeah. that's it. Yeah. Well. And we'd, also, and we'd probably auction off the instruments as well. And again, proceeds go to charity. Wow, Dane, I think that's a that's, that's a that's a near perfect festival right there. I'm gonna say a perfect festival. Uh, I, uh, it's so uh, wonderful, and thank you so much for joining us on Castable. Have you had a nice time? Thank you for uh, making this come become a reality. Um, <laughs> that should be called the over forty festival, but I disagree. I just want to provide a wonderful time for wonderful people. Um, we're all going through a lot, so I think nothing will lift spirits than actual spirits. Well, um, yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on Castable. And uh, where can people find you online if they want to uh, get in touch about, uh, uh, if they want to buy tickets for this festival? Cool. So the tickets are available at uk coming soon. Um, and I'm on all the socials, uh, on Instagram and Twitter. You'll be able to find me there. And uh, also have my own YouTube channel. And uh, yeah, my podcast, Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, is also available on Acast and Spotify. So uh, yeah. Well, um, and also you can follow me at, uh, and follow the podcast at Castle Podcast on Twitter. And also email and what, if you want to get in touch, get in touch with us at castlepodcast at gmail.com. But please give a massive thanks and a massive congratulations to an amazing festival after life 2016. It's Mr. Dane Baptiste. Thank you very much. You, See you next year. Thank you so much for listening to Castable. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have enjoyed it, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And if you like what I do, you can follow me at Matt Hoss Comedy on Twitch. I do live streams four times a week. Follow me at Matt Hoss Comedy, and hopefully I'll see you around soon. Take care.